0: All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Sky High Sports and Entertainment. We are continuing with coverage of the Lizzie McGuire movie, 20th anniversary with the man himself, Clayton Snyder, who played Ethan Kraft. Uh, Clayton, it is such a pleasure to have you on here. You are an all-time classic Disney Channel character, <laughs> man. And now you're uh, in life. It's awesome.
1: That's that's definitely an opinion. I'd say that's that's definitely subjective, but uh, but thank you.
0: Absolutely, man. No, a lot A lot of people uh, enjoyed watching you and, and Lizzie McGuire is one of the all-time great shows. So uh, I would love to ask you first, you know, with your career, how did you get started in acting in the first place and what got you interested in it?
1: Yeah, good questions. I grew up in Orange County, um, Southern California, not Florida. And I just had a natural inclination to, to imitate and see a movie and want to portray that person just around the house around my friends uh, enjoyed making people laugh and I started doing plays at my elementary school and that veered into community theater for a few years and I seemed to both excel at it and enjoy it like I was booking lead roles in these small performances but at that age booking lead roles is a very big deal you know and I was enjoying it enough but my parents asked if I'd be interested in continuing to take it to the next level and I said yes and back then uh, I like sharing this part that there was no internet yeah. really when I was a kid which is crazy to think of where we are now with things yeah and um, so yeah if you wanted to get into things on the internet then uh yeah it was just like no one really knew what to do with it like email, Like some people are using it. Some people aren't like my dad's company at the time was like one of the very first companies to even implement what was like then like the first prototype of a laptop um, and doing this e-communication stuff. Um, So you'd have to subscribe to newsletters or like physical magazines on how to get ins on the industry. And, you know, there'd be agencies and management companies that would post ads in these said magazines and my mom picked one up uh, and we applied for this showcase weekend that we paid probably too much money for <laughs> and at the end of it you got to basically do a scene in front of a bunch of uh, industry uh, people agents and things like that and so the, the goal was to get an agent and it happened to work out for me and then i was regularly auditioning for things for about a year and a half and lizzie was the first uh, notable like major thing that i did
0: wow that's amazing that's really cool and what what specifically intrigued you about the role of ethan craft or lizzie mcguire in and
1: john <laughs> well ethan, you got it <laughs> well I, I wouldn't say uh, it, you know it's not like there's like a catalog of roles on shows out there that you go hmm, i'll do this one this one's interesting Uh, you're basically told what you're auditioning for and that's what your agent or manager's job is, is to be that connector. They have eyes on what projects are out there, what roles are in there, what is the log line or description for these characters and who in their roster could be a good fit. And they tell you, hey, you have an audition for this show, here are the sides, and they'd have to mail you the sides, not email you the sides. Uh, You usually get a physical copy of it. And then you'd get, you know, over the phone, they give you driving instructions on how to get to the audition. And bless my dear sweet mother, who would drive me over uh, from Orange County up into L.A. for these many auditions. And uh, but I, I mean, it was an audition for like a Disney show. But this was before what that generation came to know, like the Disney channel as like, it wasn't, it hadn't quite blown up in the way that it did. It certainly was popular. It's Disney, of course. Yeah. Um, but it was branching out from doing more of these cartoons into these more sitcomy for kids shows that I think Lizzie was like the first, like really big one that popped but, but around the same time as even Stevens though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really cool. And uh, you know, something I wanted to ask you about is Obviously, Lizzie McGuire is a show with a female titular character. But why do you think that it also appealed to guys and everyone so much, you know, with universal themes, male characters? Yeah,
1: that's a really good question, because, it you know, with a female protagonist, and we're going through a lot of, like, female-specific issues, like dealing with, um, like, gossip, not that that's only specific to women... But you know, first time having a bra, you know, through other issues of being a you know preteen girl in school. But I think it was just fun characters, and there were still different guys that were fun and funny enough that were relatable. Um, And I think maybe also it was fun for. or at least interesting for guys to see the female perspective at that stage in life. Um, You know, like an eye into the things that are unspoken and are only talked about like women's circles you know, like, Oh, interesting. Is that what they talk about? Uh, (laughs) So maybe there's some curiosity in that too. Um, But I think they're just like some funny scenarios and some memorable characters uh, that made it more appealing to a more general audience.
0: Definitely. Yeah. I completely agree with you because I think that, it was just a lot of fun. It was, you know, Lizzie was kind of a, a goofball herself, I and mean, who hasn't gone through that, especially at that. And I think
1: end? a lot. I think a lot of guys uh, had the hots for for Lizzie too. So yeah. I had that's to might be on something there
0: that's
1: that's one reason but there you or or very just admired her you know yeah
0: definitely no um yeah no it, it was a fantastic show and definitely lots of life lessons and great male characters with you and uh gordo and matt and we'll we'll get into that a little bit later but first um what what brought us here today was originally the 20th anniversary of the movie, so I would love to hear um, if you have any favorite memories that come to mind from your time making it. <laughs> um,
1: man, so I I had, I mean, limited screen time in the movie. You know, if you look back, like I don't even know how many minutes I'm on screen uh, for for the for the entirety of the movie. And, but I was still there for the time that everyone else was. So yeah. I actually got a lot of opportunities to just be in Rome uh, with my mom and a little bit with my dad. And we got to visit a couple places, uh, including my distant Italian relatives. Uh, my wow. great grandparents on my mother's side immigrated from around Lake Como. And we had like, I had like a distant cousin that had kept correspondence from a distant cousin over there and there was just like a shred of connection there still and we managed to venture up there for a weekend and I got to meet these people that were descendants of my. we share the same great-grandparents and that was an amazing moment uh, not just a memory because Uh, There was only one woman in that village that I was related to that could speak broken English, and she was exhausted by the end of it, trying to translate for us and for them. And she asked me to learn Italian, rather promised to learn Italian, and then come back uh, and visit. And so I went to Pepperdine, and I had studied Spanish in high school and decided that rather than continuing education and having a shorter language uh, credit requirement, uh, for Spanish that I would just start over with Italian but learning Spanish gave me a great foundation for Italian uh, so it gave me uh, it launched me into learning Italian fairly easily but it wiped out all of my Spanish unfortunately wow. yeah. but I have gone back to visit like several times since then so no actually I had the movie to think that I've been able to go back and, and converse with my family over there uh in italian you know like not too crazy complex conversations but you know conversationally i can engage Uh, and i've been back there maybe like six times uh since then
0: wow that is that's so cool to hear that the movie impacted your life in that way Huge way. yeah that's amazing because and especially culturally it's amazing to visit right because now people go to uh, rome and i can tell you right i was on exchange when i was 21 and uh Bordeaux, France, and when I was going to Rome with people, I rewatched the Lizzie McGuire movie. Too. <laughs> and when I went, I don't think Trevi- you'd have to,
1: of course, you're going to see That's the Trevi Fountain
0: great. and all of that. Yeah, it's great. What else can you think about when you're there? <laughs> what What do you make of the film's just lasting impact and the fact that people? I mean, I saw actually your your Instagram post of uh, the movie poster guy and what he did, and just it was all over. You know, people really, really care about it, and it's found. You know, new younger audiences that didn't didn't even grow up with it, but But uh, just that movie in general and its impact and how it's still so beloved. Man,
1: it's still kind of beside me, like how how much it it took off, you know, maybe just the fact that, you know, it didn't there wasn't an agenda outside of it being just a fun and entertaining movie. Period. Uh, You know, there's like some fun uh, Frozen-esque, like, betrayal in there. Uh, so like there, it was like a little bit, little bit of a moment uh, yeah. that that it gave people, and just like the sheer imagination of there being this happenstance look like twin in a different country that you can go on stage and like go from this kind of nobody nerd girl in middle school and then be like the thing, kind of a goofy movie, uh, you know, track. Yes, um, very true. The guy at school, I just realized that right now actually. I never
0: thought about <laughs> that either. It was very, wow, that's like the, female goofy, the female-led Goofy movie with uh, Max becoming a singing star.
1: Skylar, I think that's why it's popular because it's basically live action lady Goofy movie. That's- that's like in Rome. Rome. <laughs> in Rome, yeah. It's, that's an awesome concept to, actually. Oh wow, that's really interesting. Well, there we go. I think we
0: solved it. There you go. Yeah, that that's definitely of course there was uh the show and the popularity and the characters, but yes, the the goofy movie track and how beloved that is. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's uh there you go. A new a new insight here today. That's awesome. Um something <laughs> else I wanted to, to mention was uh that I interviewed Jim Fall on here, the director of the movie recently. And you know, he said he saw you in a play recently. And I, I just wanted to ask, you know what it was like, and that was something else that that he was saying, was that the movie was much more fantasy, whereas the show was so based in reality, which I thought was cool.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. Um, and, I mean, it was a different production, like the TV show was Disney Channel, and then the movie was essentially like a third party, it was like Buena Vista Entertainment, you know, it wasn't even Disney yeah. necessarily that produced the Liz McGuire movie, which is very interesting. Um, okay. And so there was, I feel like, probably I don't know if like if there was like more license with it but yeah this show is certainly more grounded and then the movie just was just um, not like massive massive scale but like comparatively yeah uh, was pretty- huge scale you know yeah. going from this ho town I don't even know what rumor on the street is that uh they were supposed to be like based in Pasadena uh, during the show, but like I, I don't know where they're even based when we were filming it. Like what, where 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 does the show take place in the United States? I like, yeah. I don't know. They um, not so do
0: much externalities. No. It's mainly Lizzie's house and school and outside. Yeah.
1: It's just like where does like the architecture fit, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. For, for where they are. So if you look around and see where that might exist. But um yeah, I, I think and that's a really interesting point of just how big the scope was. And so there's a little bit of a different tone to it that's understandable having different directors um episode to episode on the show but especially having a different director do the movie it's going to have a different flavor to it
0: yeah he had actually said that he was very passionate about directing like a disney channel and lizzie mcguire but that he hadn't watched the show before and watched some episodes to prepare to bring like this more cinematic feel to it so i thought that was interesting to hear yeah definitely do you have any um, specific memories of like working with, I mean, I know it was a little while ago now, a couple, couple of years ago at least, but uh, do you have any memories of working with Jim or just your experience like acting in the film in that regard?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, I I just, I really enjoyed working with him. Uh, I thought he just, he loved to work just the play of everything. And it just felt super fun. Um, and it, it, it's really interesting Going from doing this show that we've been doing for uh, a couple of years and being these characters, then having a director that like we hadn't worked with before mm-hmm. uh work with these characters in these scenes. So it was interesting having him come in with sometimes different takes on like what the characters might do in the situation and just like trying different things out. Um yeah. so I remember that being a really cool part of the process.
0: Awesome. And this is uh Sort of my final movie based question for a few show questions and some wrap, but uh, what I want, what I was wondering is so at the end of the movie, Ethan actually ends up with Kate, uh, eating spaghetti. And I was wondering if you think that 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 could, you know, he says that she's sort of saying maybe I don't know anything, and then Ethan's really attracted to that and uh, shows some wisdom. And so, do you think Ethan and Kate could have did end up together and ultimately? where would you have liked to and expect, I guess, see Ethan Kraft ending up overall?
1: Well, ending up has varying ranges, like yes. by the end of the trip, the end of high school, like life. Him and Kate could have ended up together? Um, I think possibly, like we, the, the only possibility for that is that if there is, if Kate shows evidence of uh, kind of a, a growth, growth yeah. experimental mindset there um, and Ethan I don't know like he he loves relationships but as far as like long-term committed relationships we never got to see him in that area yet not because like of like a, a fear of something but I think he just really like I don't see him as like playing the field he definitely loved the ladies yeah don't get me wrong yeah there was a, uh, he, he made a very explicit about liking the ladies <laughs> so i think there had to be like a really like significant um not to put it in harsh terms but like trade-off of like like what's this relationship could be like because like i like i have fun just kind of being free and, yeah. and seeing people and i could see kate continuing to potentially mature in that direction i think you know that's a thing about i think lizzie has that mindset that ethan's attracted to um but he does say explicitly that he does see lizzie more of just a friend uh, as well yeah so i think he's i think he's flying solo uh af- after everything you know i think i think i think Keen and kate could explore something uh post the the buzz of yeah, sharing that on. spaghetti dinner yeah. Um, but I think there's also something magical about being abroad and how yes. that can change an atmosphere. And that when people return from a vacation, it's things resume as, as normal. So yeah. I think there'd be pressure on Kate when she would get back to school to resume a persona that so I, that's that's what I would
0: project. Very, that's really interesting. And then something else you mentioned, and I thought this was uh, sort of my standout Ethan Kraft, like, question i guess from the series was the episode just friends and that was actually when i watched rewatched like before doing this interview um and yeah it was sort of like they're a perfect match and he was just not into it do you think that was just sort of something with it i mean i would love to hear if you had any theories why he wasn't into her and then if maybe they ended up together later or anything or could have
1: um, I mean, it's all open with even. so, so could could have is always going to be on the table. yes. Uh, and in terms of why that was, you know, sometimes people just need a spark and it's not there, and you can try to rationalize it uh, one way or the other, uh, but you can't you can't force uh, that spark that you can have with somebody. So they can get along with all areas, but if uh, you kind of need that initial, Butterfly feeling uh, to be reciprocated for that to that to work out initially, and he just wasn't feeling it. But the thing that I really admire about Ethan in that situation is that he was honest with her. He didn't play games with her. Yeah, he was nice. Didn't beat around the bush. And that you know, some people try to protect people's feelings or avoid uncomfortable situations with that kind of honesty. And and that's in that moment, that's where I think Ethan Ethan is a little too dumb to be too self conscious. Uh, in yeah. that moment where he's actually a gentleman and he's very upfront and sets the expectations straight with Lizzie on how he feels and it hurts, but in the long run, everyone's way better off.
0: That's an amazing, that is uh, some wisdom right there. And I think <laughs> that is one of the classic sort of life lessons episode, because there's first of all, what you just mentioned. I think also he delivered the uh, the proverbial blow very kindly as well. Like he really was a gentleman about it. And also, Mm. you know, on the Lizzie end, the fact, right, she was trying to change herself instead of being herself and shouldn't change herself. I
1: thought that was really cool. Yeah, totally.
0: Ethan traits. um, What would you say is or was the biggest difference between you, Clayton Snyder, and Ethan Kraft?
1: (laughs) I would hope my grades.
0: (laughs) And or similarities
1: uh similarities uh would be that i do i i find myself uh, loving people and for whatever reason i can i I have friends across a wide spectrum of uh, interests and pursuits and spheres and I, i love all of them and uh it's really uncomfortable for me when I can't connect with somebody because it's so jarring for me. Yeah, no, I get it. I uh, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, if there's a, if you're aware of the the DISC uh, personality profile uh, where people are usually one of these four letters, uh, you know, D being very uh, driver, alpha, uh, an I being very people, person, influencer, S being systems oriented, and C just being like consistent. Uh, and I'm a uh, extremely high eye. Like I I love on people hard and I I feel a lot of love when I love back. And then if it's not reciprocated, like my wires get all crossed. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I think I think I'm we're similar in that regard that we're both a very high eye.
0: That's all any other uh major differences other than grades, of course. You went to Pepperdine uh with you and Ethan that you had to sort of, you know, just for the role
1: yeah i I would uh so there's there's a there's like books intelligence but I think there's also some emotional intelligence which he he floats back and forth between being <laughs> uh like like oh that was kind of deep like that was smart of you or wise of you and I wouldn't expect that from you and then there are other moments where it was like what are you thinking man yeah um, and so there's the uh episode where everyone got partnered up to pretend to be married uh, yes. for that school project and there's that table scene with kate and ethan and she's talking him into leaving <laughs> his wife and essentially having an affair and uh, so there's a that's an example of the emotional intelligence like not being there yeah of like you know like what do you have to gain versus who's who are you going to hurt in that process and and he's just like okay i'm along for the ride like whatever is very like what's in front of me versus you know what are the consequences
0: yeah definitely no i i like that and i think uh again yeah like he has those flashes like the way he he handled the lizzie situation with his true feelings was emotionally intelligent and then yes getting led into a fake affair in middle school was not uh not the brightest moment for ethan there correct yeah. But um, and then definitely with the the similarities as well. I think Ethan really was a social butterfly who, you know, right, when you're that popular, could have been a jerk to people, but always came off like really kindly and, and got along with uh, everyone. And and one of my favorite relationships on the show, I'd sort of like to ask you before we start to close out here, was Ethan and uh Gordo. So I wanted to ask you just your sort of thoughts overall on on their. Uh, relationship and and sort of I don't know I guess what Ethan sometimes it, it was I couldn't tell if Ethan totally like was trying to understand Gordo or whether he really admired what kind of your thoughts are on their relationship. I think, um, I think that
1: Ethan thought Gordo was great. Yeah, That he thought he was cool. Does not mind hanging out with them, talking with them, like. Sharing the tricks of the trade with ladies. Um, I don't think there was ever a moment where Ethan ever put Gordo down. No, Um, there was a moment like when there there was a bit of a character shift from like very early Ethan in the show, where he was a bit more of a bully character, and he tried to bully uh, uh, Gordo into doing a serious face for the school photo uh, that Ethan Ethan himself chickened out on, of course. But um, and since then he he, uh, you know outgrew that, but. I think that Gordo likes to think that he doesn't care about Ethan, but I think that there is some jealousy there. I think that there is a. He's um, like, wow, oh, what's the word? There is like, there's almost, there's kind of like a competition there. Uh, and I think that he wishes Ethan didn't have it so easy or but like, you know, he doesn't deserve all the attention that he gets because like, what is he offering? Like yeah. hair? <laughs> like what is, what is Ethan offering to people where Gordo's like, like, I'm, I'm super smart. I'm a great friend. I have all these other traits yet he's getting all the attention for everything. Um And it can almost, feel worse when you're you're in this kind of rivalry with somebody when they don't think that there's a rivalry at all. And yeah. that can make that can exacerbate it, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. No, that's really interesting. I also I always thought uh the relationship was very interesting and Gordo was a great character as well. Last uh last Lizzie question before we kind of start to wrap this up here, but um do you think Gordo and Lizzie ended up together in the long run? That's
1: something that I could see because I mean what what you have there is like this relationship coming back from the plane but unlike kate um who has a well this is interesting uh who has her persona to uphold amongst her her peers uh because she has a private moment with ethan talked about carbs and this and that but when she goes public let's see how she acts whereas lizzie you know she just performed on stage in front of a global audience and then has this like little intimate moment. Now I'm just back to my life. And like, everything's going to be the same. And it's like, I don't know if everything's going to be the same uh, yeah. after that. Like maybe things will, maybe, you know, everyone will keep quiet. And you'll know, just be like, do you know, like, you know, her own class going into high school. She was like on stage and she did this crazy event. they will be like, yeah, right. Uh, and so maybe it'll fade, which would be kind of a classic Lizzie thing where she does this incredible thing. But no one just like believes it and kind of goes back into normalcy. Um, and because of that, I think that uh, they could make it.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, no, I definitely think uh, that's a good call, and I would be hard pressed if I didn't take the chance to ask quickly, what was it like working with uh, Hillary Duff, and any memories of that? And also saw you guys uh, reunited on the Megan Trainor thing. <laughs> so that looked really fun too.
1: Yeah, that that was a that was an absolute blast. She's a, she's a total sweetheart. Um, the persona that she gives currently on social media, of just being like a great person, is completely accurate. Um, great person to work with, super professional and also super fun. Um, can't say enough nice things.
0: That's awesome. And, uh, and then I guess we were talking about Lizzie and Gordo quickly, but something interesting with the reboot was that I think she was 30 and had like lost her job and someone she was engaged to, but Gordo was also in it. So it wouldn't have been Gordo. So that would have been interesting. But, um, did you have any thoughts on, on the reboot or if you were going to be a part of that or just not? As much on yeah, that. yeah. There was uh, they, they, they shot two episodes of it. I'm pretty
1: sure, and yeah. uh, I I was slated to be involved at some point, and oh, cool. uh, they um didn't align on tone. Yes. Uh, Disney Disney still owned the show, and uh, I, I I referred to it as, I think Hillary and one of the original producers wanted to, uh, Harry Potter, the Liz McGuire franchise in that they wanted to age it with their audience uh, so therefore having more mature content because what was one of these staples of Liz McGuire was the honest inner thoughts of what was happening like what's happening in life what is Lizzie thinking what's happening in life what is she really thinking so that looks different from someone in middle school than to a young woman in her you know early 30s. Uh, dealing with you know engagement and work and other things like that. So, I think trying to hold on to the spirit—that's you know—that that's the question. Like, what is Liz McGuire? What is the spirit of the show? Is it is it that tone, or is it the, um, no, black for a better term for like the model of it? Because yes. uh, I think I think that that's what attracted people. They saw themselves like, oh, this is like a person sharing like their honest thoughts about where they are in life. And I think that's kind of more of the spirit that people were attracted to and connected with so much. So that's what they wanted to bring into it. But it wasn't quite what Disney was ready for. So we no. can't
0: Hey, hopefully one day. I mean, they just had the first uh, F-bomb in the MCU with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> and- <laughs> We had She Hulk uh, twerking on TV. And so you never know. And Megan the style, you never know what'll happen. And uh, that's true. Hope you know, somewhere down the line that would be a lot of fun to, to see you back in, in that role. But uh, one thing about Ethan that you translated to real life was uh, the love of water polo. I remember him <laughs> talking about. And this is a sports and entertainment podcast. And obviously, it has been a, a wonderful entertainment episode. But I uh, would love to hear if, which came first, your love of water polo or Ethan's and uh, what you're up to today with water polo, because I hear you're up to some pretty cool stuff.
1: Yeah, it was it was a gift for the writers. They knew that water polo was a very big part of my life. I've been playing since I was eight years old. Wow. And uh, so through when we were doing the show, I was in middle school and I was still playing youth. Uh, club water polo. And I played for several club teams. At that time, I was playing for uh, SoCal water polo club. And we won a national championship, actually, uh, during the spread of the filming. Uh, It's called Speedo Cup. Uh, It was a big deal back in the day. And uh, went on to play through high school. Uh, I had to miss my freshman year to film the movie, actually. It was a big, (laughs) big deal. Uh, I was actually missing my freshman year of high school water polo at Los Alamitos High School, the Griffins that I decided that I missed playing water polo and missed not being there for my teammates so much that I wanted to discontinue acting until a later date. And then I eventually got a scholarship to Pepperdine um, and we got, you know, we were number two in the nation, I think my junior year. Um, so we did get we a pretty good squad there and then I was planning on going back into acting right after college and potentially uh, experiment with some directing, and uh, got approached by the national team head coach and assistant coach that I knew at the time. Who, you know, I wasn't ready for the national team level quite yet, but they said that if I continued to develop, there is a chance uh, that I could. So I couldn't hear that and not go for it. So I found myself training with the national team over a couple of summers. Wow. Uh, Represented USA in the World University Games in 2011 in China. Um, We got, I think, fourth place there. And then played professionally for club teams in Italy. And that's where I got to revisit my Italian family there. No way. So
0: full circle. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah, very much so. And uh, played for a club team in Kaposvar in Hungary. And then another club team in Montenegro, uh, Yadron in Herzegovina.
0: Wow! And that... then
1: since since then, I've been playing masters water polo uh, for the Los Angeles Athletic Club water polo team, a team that uh, some buddies and I started up, and we have a nonprofit. Yeah, I heard you were a that as well. And yeah, so that's been that's been the baby since then. Can't seem to get away from the sport. Uh, I love it a lot, and so I find myself playing here and there, but a little bit more on the management side of things.
0: That's so cool. And that's awesome. And I, yeah, once I researched that, I was wondering, I wonder if, if uh, Ethan and it being written into the script inspired it or if that was because of you. So that's very cool to know. And uh, yeah, Yeah. obviously the way sports impact us and coming together and that inspiration and uh, all the stories in sports are are similar with entertainment too. So very cool. And a few final questions here. What would you say is the most important life lesson that people can learn or you would want people to take from Ethan Craft? I
1: don't know if I've been asked that question. Um, the cop-out would be to lather, rinse, and don't repeat. I knew uh, that
0: would come up at some
1: point. <laughs> but I tend to take these kinds of questions way too seriously. No, no that's okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, I think I think it's just that, you know, in in this scene with Kate at the end of the movie, um, basically about like just not taking yourself too seriously. And I think there's there there can be a fine line there um, because I think it's as an athlete, uh, there's something to be said for taking yourself very seriously and really driving uh, your skills and fundamentals and abilities as far as you possibly can. And sometimes that takes like taking yourself very seriously. Like they say, if you don't take yourself seriously, then who will? Um, But also sometimes um, that can amount to uh, an immense amount of needless uh, pressure and anxiety. And uh, a lot of times depression, um, you know, if things aren't going your way, if you're not like constantly winning all the time, therefore you're a failure all the time. And that that can wear on you. So sometimes to take the foot off the gas is sometimes the best path forward and uh, recognizing that what life is is a process. However it's going, wherever you're at, it's something um, sure to like to to pursue, to live your best life and and excel and to live into your vocation and your calling, but also not to not to a standard that you're failing every day. (laughs) We're like, if you don't, if you don't X, Y, Z and like, and losing is very much a part of life. Um, I think a lot of people would agree, a lot of successful people would agree that um, the best winners have undergone a lot of loss. And it's important to remember that. So that's what I mean. Not to take yourself too seriously where you allow the failures uh, to, um, to crush you. And that you use them as opportunity within every defeat is the seed of great, great opportunity to, to move forward and learn and grow and to be kind to the child that's within you and to pay that forward to future
0: generations. Dude, that was some like next level, brilliant stuff. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Like it was
1: from the mind of Ethan.
0: That's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, I've asked some, some cool people that question before, and that was Maybe like the like that was one of the better answers I've I've ever heard for sure. I think that's uh, that's always. I mean I mean I know there was uh, some of that from you as well. And then my follow up was going to be you know if there was anything you as Clayton Snyder wanted to share uh, as your most important life lesson that you have learned in your life and career. Unless yeah, that's
1: that's probably it. <laughs> well,
0: that's what I could tell. At some point we got uh, off Ethan there, and I think that's that's the cool thing about being an actor is probably how much that that character has impacted you and and you can kind of evolve it into real life uh, in that way. And I think I think that was something really admirable about Ethan was that he didn't care what people thought in a way that was better than like most characters I've seen on TV, honestly, because uh, also, right, he's, he's a middle schooler, so he doesn't even have as many responsibilities. So he can really, really show that. And then he also wasn't a jerk with that quality. And I think there's Mm some things to learn in that way. Uh, Definitely. No, thank you so, so much for coming on today. This has been a blast, you know, not just to talk about the 20th anniversary of the Lizzie McGuire movie, but obviously you've had a great career and a lot of impact on people's childhoods and people like myself uh, that you mean a lot to. So thank you very, very much.
1: Thank you for having me, Scott. I appreciate it.
0: No word. Before you get out of here, why don't you, uh, I know that I've done my research, but tell everyone, you know, what you're up to and where they can find you nowadays. Feel free to give yourself a plug.
1: Yeah, I'm a residential real estate agent. Uh, so I'm a realtor working in the greater Los Angeles and Orange County areas. So, you know, more than happy to be a resource for you or any of your listeners or viewers here. And happily uh, married to my college sweetheart. We got a beautiful sun so life is very full right now
0: wow that'll be yeah yeah.
1: and if you want if you can always catch me on a instagram it's probably the best place it's at hey clayton
0: awesome thank you so much and uh And we'll have to reconvene one day after uh, you've shown your son some of the Lizzie McGuire and Lizzie McGuire (laughs) movie. It'll be a really cool experience. Yeah, it'll be like, eh, whatever. No, no (laughs) way, man. You you can craft as a legend and uh, you yourself are a legend, Clayton. So thank you for coming.
1: Oh, shucks, man. Thank you. Have a good one, Scott. Absolutely. All the best.